I am Sumit Gupta and this is Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams at work and life. This is a podcast for people who know deep inside that there is more. Have you achieved a great deal of success, but on the inside you still feel empty and like an imposter? Do other people see you as a strong leader and you wonder why it still feels so lonely and suffocating? The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. I dare to speak to the tremendous power which you already have rather than what you believe are your strengths and limitations. This podcast is called Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. And this is the Humble Inquiries series. In this series, Leslie joins me as my co-host to humbly inquire into some of the most pressing challenges leaders are facing today. We have curated these challenges from conversations with hundreds of leaders in the past few months. In each episode of Humble Inquiries, me and Leslie are deliberately going to put ourselves in the uncomfortable space of not knowing the answer and humbly inquiring about these challenges with the aim to provoke new thoughts, actions and practices to help us better serve our coaching clients and also help the leader in you navigate these challenges both at life and at work. Hi, Leslie. Hello, Summit. Nice to see you. Nice to see you again for another episode of Humble Inquiries. Yeah, and, and today we have a juicy topic, and especially for me, it's quite juicy because of so often that I hear this. So do you want to introduce the topic which we are going to talk about? Sure. Our topic for today is too much to do, too little time. And for this whole series, we asked leaders what their challenges were. And this one came up in many fashions and many formats. And even as you and I talked about it a little bit, I'm one that I find myself sometimes in that boat too. So I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, I think as you said rightly, I think nobody is alien to this. Everybody, all of us have lived or suffered because of uh, this challenge of being too busy or not having enough time to do everything which we want. And it's it's also quite uh, juicy, as I said in the beginning, because for me, this has been one area where I have made uh, a lot of changes in, uh, in how I see time. Uh, and um, so I think I want to begin with uh, just acknowledging that like just in the culture that we live in, this is so much omnipresent, like a dark cloud over us, that almost everybody we see it's become so natural that we don't even talk about it. Like the work, if you have work, then you will be busy, right? It's taken as expected. Like if you have work, then then that's a reality of your life. How else do you see, do you also see the same that it is so omnipresent that it's almost pervading in our culture? It is. And it's almost, <laughs> if you don't have too much to do, what's wrong with you? Or mm. what's going wrong in life? And it seems to have that, lends to it a bit that that makes it challenging because yeah I think it's I'm thinking comparison syndrome a bit of that if your plate's not too full what are you doing wrong or why what are you missing anything like that yeah I think you're pointing to something uh, very cultural that we see being busy or we see doing more as a badge of honor and, and we see that if we are not doing more if we are not doing more than our peers then that's 
somehow a weakness or a sign of not being a good professional. So I do see that that hovering over like our minds as a cloud and then that impacts every conversation we have around time, productivity or, or time management and all of these uh, all of these concerns. And as, as much as it uh, bothers me, I had someone recently ask, how are you? How is work going? And I had to catch myself because I my instinct was to say busy. It's been busy. And the, the reality was I wasn't sure how else to explain it. I knew that saying I was busy would just be accepted and being like, oh, good for you. That's great that you're so busy. So it really does have that context of badge of honor and acceptance uh, that this is how it should be. Yes. And in fact, if you're not busy or if you have free time, then sometimes people are surprised and they ask what is wrong or what is missing. That's the flip side of it. But, but I do work with a lot of uh, very successful people, uh, very talented people. And what I have found is that helping somebody do more is never a solution. And, and you can read all about that in like getting things done or there are hundreds of ways we can be more productive. But what I have figured out is that doing more is never the solution because the moment, uh, like after, after I help somebody be more productive, in two weeks, they have suddenly filled up their plate with more work because like, these people are ambitious, successful people. So they're, they're never lacking desire. So when it comes to time, even if you help somebody be more productive, there is always more work waiting. There's always more challenges waiting. And so doing work is never the solution. That's uh, how I start these conversations. Yeah. So what is the solution? What's, when you start with doing more work's not the solution, where do you go next? I think overwhelm and uh, having this uh, sense of too much to do is basically an invitation to ask better questions. So the natural question is, how can I do more? Right? Or how can I manage my time better? That's a natural question. And we can go, we can spend hours talking about that question. But I think this uh, sense of overwhelm is an invitation to ask better questions that what is it I, that I actually care about? What is it that I really want to do? And what is it that I'm doing that I should not be doing? Right? So there, there are a lot of multiple threads uh, around uh, this time. But maybe the first one is that uh, this whole notion of I do not have time or that time is limited. And I think like for me, that's clearly a lie. I, I know it's very true for people who are stuck in it. It's very real and it has been the same way for me. Like when I am stuck in with more work and less time to do, it's very real. Like you feel the pressure. But at the same time, when I step back, when I can introspect about it, what I've found is that I do not have time is always a lie. It's never the truth. And what questions help an individual to realize that that's a lie as opposed to just calling them out and saying, you're lying to yourself, that doesn't really feel good. Yeah, so I have a very personal example, right? So if I, I have a young son and many times uh, when I am in like calls like these, like he's just outside in the next room and sometimes he barges in. Uh, and then I say that, can't you see Papa is busy or like, I don't have time, I use that. But at the same time, if he comes in bleeding, if he's hurt himself or if I uh, hear him screaming, then immediately I will make time. I will make time to attend to what is really important, right? Every time we are using this language that I do not have time, I think a better, more accurate representation would be that this is not my priority. And this is, uh, I think, our first uh, question which we can ask and we can be really be honest with ourselves that if I have this question, what is what are my priorities? What do I really care about? 
and this if this is my priority if this is high priority then why am i not doing this what else am i doing which is not my priority and if this is not my priority what is stopping me from refuse doing this so that's always the first question to really connect with that i do not have time is never the whole truth there is something deeper beyond that and how much how much of this is individuals feeling good about the fact that they have so much to do or they're so in demand or individuals want their time and their attention and that then makes it very challenging to say no to not want to do that because then they're not maybe needed or appreciated what is what happens in that kind of tension that causes too much to do too little time as comparison to being able to say no yeah i think subconsciously if you have that story that if i am not busy then i am not productive or if i am not busy then i am not valued or i am not important then you are in the trap without even seeing that you are in the trap and this plays a huge role especially given the culture that we grew up in given what we have learned from our peers and also given the kind of company the kind of uh, employees we work with on a day to day basis if my company has a culture of doing more staying late just for the sake of staying late or trying to show my loyalty or trying to show my productivity just by staying late or spending more hours at work then that can subconsciously play a role uh, a very good question to ask yourself is it about doing more or spending more time or is it about producing more value is it about really producing change or impact in what i care about and then how to measure that from what really matters to me as an individual but then what really matters to my team as a team what really matters to my company as a company what is really valuable to me personally rather than spending time and then how can i create that value without spending that amount of time so that's a very good question to explore how does that sound it's helpful and i think one of the things that i've even explored myself is prioritizing self and my well-being as a component and so therefore needing the time for that which then changes my available time for other things so i'm prioritizing myself uh, or i'm prioritizing that flexibility to be able to care for myself so then what is left and <laughs> as you were talking i was thinking i went about it very methodically like here's my pieces of the pie and here's how each slice each, each hour all that and even as i did it i went i fell in the trap of my work hours needed to be 8 to 4 or 8 to 5 something typical whereas that doesn't necessarily work well or serve me well each and every day so how to change that and ask different questions to what you're saying what is a priority and therefore basing the time on the priorities as opposed to saying i have all this time and i'm going to fit my priorities into the time i don't know if that makes sense huh? yeah it, it makes sense i think because of the often subconscious and cultural nature of it we do not realize the cost of it but there's always a cost not being able to spend time uh, with family not being able to focus on personal stuff or your hobbies or passions there is always a cost on in something which get deprioritized when we feel that we are obliged to work or to do something which we don't really 
want to do. So that's the first element of really asking ourselves, what is the cost of operating this way? And is that okay with me? And if, if that's okay with you, then, then yes, wonderful, continue on that journey. But if you identify that something is missing and that is not okay, then the question is staring in your face and what is stopping you from making the change? It, it might not be an easy question, but it's still a very valid question to explore. Maybe not to have an answer to immediately, but to explore. And exploring and figuring it out it is helpful and only you as the individual can can decide what path to take, which, what changes to make. And some you may need, say, permission or exception, depending on the type of organization you work in, if that means changing hours or you don't have the capacity to do all of these things and you actually need to say no. What does that really look like? I actually just today <laughs> read an article on, it was probably two pages of creative ways to say no. And I'm chuckled at myself like, this is silly that I need to read an article on how to say no. I'm the one who has, I have my own business. I'm the one that has that privilege. But reading it was like, oh, wow, it makes it sound very simple in and not rude. I think sometimes saying no feels rude. And so then I don't want to say no. I care too much and I want to help people and saying no is going to disappoint them. Whereas if I don't say no, I may be disappointing myself or someone else because of I'm creating a conflict and an inability to manage all that I have to do. Yeah. Uh, and exactly as you're sharing, right? No is the most powerful word and also one which most people find it difficult to speak because of everything which you share, right? It appears rude or you are scared because it might appear as rude or impolite to somebody else. And then maybe there is a cultural notion that we are always expected to say yes. Otherwise, we are not being productive or we are not being a good employee or a good whatever role that you do. Especially when it comes to dealing with hierarchy, when it comes to talking to your boss, when it comes to talking to anybody where you have a hierarchical relationship. Saying no is not easy, but at the same time, not being able to say no has a huge cost, which we often don't realize in that moment. Right? Yeah, and I'm going back to then why is it easier to say no to our family or friends? In your example of your son, no, not right now, I don't have time. Or if someone asks me, can you do this personally on such as, no, I don't have time. It, there's a drastic difference in my mind of saying no in that situation as opposed to saying no to a work-related. Yes, and I think it goes back to priorities. It also goes back to those societal notions of uh, what is expected at work, what is expected in different relationships. And that makes it easier or difficult to say no with the different people or different conversations. But at the same time, a no is just a no, right? A no is simply a decline to a request. It doesn't mean that you are rude, doesn't mean that you are polite, doesn't mean that you're hardworking, doesn't mean that you're not hardworking, doesn't mean anything unless you make it mean uh, mean it's something. So uh, no is a simple word. No is a, a full sentence in itself. So, and ex exactly a lot of the issues which uh, we normally bucket under the terminology of time management or overwhelm are actually coming from an inability to say no to things which are not in our priority or which doesn't take care of what we really like, want to prioritize or what really matters. 
and that stops us from having the the value conversation as well right it's is it about spending time or is it about producing value and then if it is about producing value then how can i produce the same amount of value in less amount of time or is it the right time to actually be spending on this what is the value that each task is producing and then always to connect it back to the team's role and what is the value that is productive for the team as well does that make sense it does it i think the challenge is how to how to put that into practice how to get good at that uh because if it were that easy we wouldn't need to be having this conversation like it wouldn't be such a hot topic that came up from so many people that you and I talked to and even myself I'm putting myself in that boat I think I'm still questioning yes yeah and your questions are most welcome right because it's not easy it might sound simplistic but it's never easy to put it into practice often i see my calendar suddenly filled up and i have no time to take a break between meetings or to really focus on myself so instead of asking again the question of how can i like do more a better question is like how did i end up with this in the first place what could i have said no to earlier and now standing where i am right now what can i say no to either either for my calendar today but also if not today then for my calendar in a week or in a month from now and i think time management right i think we use this word a lot but i think itself is a misnomer because you can't really manage time you can only manage what you do in in that time period everybody has the same amount of time so it's not like you're squeezing in more hours it's not like you're getting more hours uh, so it's it's only about how you choose to utilize your time or what you really want to prioritize it's never about managing time it's only about managing your priorities and then your energy i think that's another component of uh, how productive we are it's not only about the time spent but it's also about what energy and engagement we we, we bring into that task yeah and i you talked about your calendar filling up and then you start that that cycle of how did i get here how did i do that when it sometimes i don't even go there i'm i just start flipping ahead to get to a place where it looks cleaner okay there's light at the end of the tunnel i'm going to get through this and yet it continues to happen because i haven't backed up to really ask the questions of what i allowed and how can i protect my time differently as well as energy because that is something that can definitely impact you may still have just as many things to do but reorganizing it makes the energy flow and your productivity go up instead of trying to force it in a time frame that might not be ideal yeah and as you're clearly pointing out like taking a step back taking a pause to actually ask a different question rather than asking how can i do more asking a different question taking a step back is the first step to explore this difficult topic of uh, priorities or wh- what is it that I, can, i want to say no to unless you take a step back you are continuously in that wheel and, and this this reminds me of of a, of a story i think I, i read it somewhere but, but this is a story about a person who was in such a hurry to get somewhere that he ran out of fuel and when and when his car broke down and somebody asked him that why if if this meeting is so important to you then why didn't you stop for fuel and his reply was like didn't you just hear me because i was in such a hurry i was already late so i had no time to stop for fuel so, so sometimes taking a break and taking a pause taking a step back and reflecting could be like refilling 
the pause is is super powerful and and how do you weigh that out in the moment where you're in your example you're running late but you're risking running out of gas which will most definitely make you late so in that situation figuring it out in the moment but more importantly reflecting afterwards how did you get into this situation where you knew you had that meeting the next day and your gas tank's not full or whatever that may be. What did you prioritize in that moment? So really digging deeper and going backwards from the situations to figure out how you got there to learn to create a different path forward as opposed to I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, this always happens to me. That's the type of reaction that I could see coming up. And what does someone do with that type of reaction. Yeah, I think in the moment you have no other way. If you have committed to something or if you have overcommitted, then as you said, you have to get through the day or get through that commitment. And then after that you get, because you if you are too busy, then you cannot take a pause in the middle of a meeting. Right? You cannot take a pause if you don't have space to pause between meetings. But the next time, what you can do is uh, the next time you schedule meetings, you can keep for five minutes or two minutes pause between the meetings. Right? So there's always a place where you find yourself in overwhelm and then you get through that. But then you ask the really important question that how did I land there? And then what I, what do I need to do so that this doesn't repeat in the future? And as a leader, when you have a team and you see this happening in your team, what do you do? Ah, so that's a very good question. And I think this this reminds me of a, of a practice, a simple practice, which uh, I invite almost everybody who works with me to do, which is a calendar audit. I go together with somebody on everything in their calendar. And then I try to connect it back to the value it provides for them and for their team. So if somebody is leading a team of five people, I go over their calendar, I will mostly see meetings or certain tasks. And then everything that is in their calendar, especially for leaders, it's mostly meetings. Everything in their calendar, how is this connected to the value that the team needs to produce? And also then bringing the long-term and short-term into the picture. So if you're talking about a quarterly, like a quarterly goal or a quarterly, like something which you have identified is the team's value for, for the business. Now, is every meeting, is every slot in your calendar directly connected with that? And if it's not, then what is stopping you from saying no? And and also, do you really need to be in the meeting? Can somebody else from your team? And the same goes for everybody else. Everybody who is invited to a meeting, first of all, is that the right length of the meeting? Can this be done in lesser time? And most often the answer is yes. Can, can we have more structured meeting, like with a clear agenda, with a clear note taking? That actually reduces the time actually required or the time wasted in like in, in side conversations. And what I've seen is that when leaders and when teams uh, practice this and uh, slowly build up an ability to say no, they're able to clear 50%, at least 50%, if not more time on their calendar because they have connected items with either where they were not involved or the time was not well spent and they can do the same in uh, less time or they can simply say no. They can simply say no, this is not connected to our team's goals or the value that the team needs to produce right now and then we'll tackle it later. So for, for me, this is a very practical step and, and something which I practice for myself once every month. Like I will go over my calendar and see how everything is connected with what I am trying to achieve. And if there is something which is uh, not connected, then I will take that out of my calendar or defer it for the future. It's a great practice. And 
I appreciate that you said about doing it every month because I was thinking, how do you make it uh, part of your routine and your habit so that you can continue uh, to be that, I'm going to call it like critical of your your calendar and your time spent. So you really are working on what matters. I, in the HR space, hear so much about how busy they are or how busy a team is or from employees saying how busy they see the managers or the leaders and saying they can't find them because they're in a meeting. They, they can't have access. And what is then the cost of that time spent, not only for that person that's in the meeting, but for everybody else that it's impacting because they're losing that ability to access each other. Yeah, and and I've been on both ends of the spectrum. I've been uh, the person who has no time for his team. And I've also been the person who have uh, asked for time from somebody and then they have no space in their calendar. So I truly see the severity and the cost that like this kind of a situation can have. But I think more moving beyond the personal level, I think this is also a conversation which people need to have together with teams, together with their, like the people they are working most closely with. That what is it that we really want to produce in, in this quarter, in this month? And then everything which goes into our calendar, everything which we are spending time, how is it directly related to that? If it's not, then why are we doing this? And then if it's not, then what else can we do? How can we either reduce the time or totally eliminate it? Not an easy practice, but uh, certainly a very fruitful one over the long term. Yeah, and that connecting to the larger scope of the organization is key because I think we so often can get lost in the weeds of the day-to-day uh, that we're doing this and think that we I know from my perspective, maybe don't have a voice, that we can't impact that, that the leaders are expecting it, that you just get it done. This is what the strategic plan says, or these are the five goals that we have to hit this year. So all of this is required to get this done. And how often do you actually ask the question of, do we really need to do this? Or what's the most important thing? How do you figure that out? when you do have competing priorities for your time? How do you figure out what is the most important thing? Yeah, so there's no easy answer to that, right? But what what you said, right, if you know that these are the top five goals, then whether you are a leader or whether you are reporting to somebody, it's very important to keep the focus on those five goals and then how that relates to what is what I'm doing right now. So if you are a leader, I think that's a huge opportunity for you to say that everything which doesn't fall into these five goals, feel free to say no, or feel free to challenge, uh, challenge a particular meeting or decline a meeting. But also as an individual, you can always bring the attention because nobody's job or even a leader's job is never to keep their team busy or is to get them to work more hours. It's always to produce value, which is important or which is meaningful for the team and the company. So if you have identified those goals, if you have identified those priority, then the only thing you need to really do is to put your absolute focus uh, on those priorities and then say no to everything. And, and those set of priorities cannot be 50 priorities. They can be three, they can be five, but I don't think they can be more than five in a period of a year 
or in a period of a quarter. So if you identified the, the priorities, I think that's already half the work done. And then you only need to create the space where it becomes okay for people to say no to what doesn't fit in into those. When you were talking, I didn't want to interrupt, but I was ready to say, what do you mean you don't have all the answers to fix this summit? Like it, it, you said that it was challenging and you do have to ask the questions. And depending on your role in any organization or any situation, it takes courage to pause and question, why are we doing this? Is this necessary? How could we do it differently? I thought about leveraging technology to make that, just like you said, with the back-to-back -back meetings, how can you use a schedule tool hmm. to put breaks in there and force it for you? But there's no magical potion for solving the too much to do. Exactly. Yeah. And, and nobody has all the answers. And, and you mentioned courage. I think, I think this is very relevant because almost everything related to leadership requires courage. So yes, taking a pause and having uh, to challenge either your own assumption or somebody else's assumption obviously requires courage and it might not be easy at first. But yes, there is, there is no easy way out of it. If there is a difficult assumption or cultural like uh, some story which we need to break, then we need to confront it and then move past it. Yeah. So how, what do you do about it? Where do you get started in stopping the cycle of too much to do? Yeah, I think I'm sensing a, like a down mood, like a negative mood. And I know this conversation can sometimes become disempowering. But for me, to realize that everybody has 24 hours, no matter what they do, whether I, I am an employee as an individual contributor, whether I am a manager or whether I am a president of a country, everybody has 24 hours, not a second more, not a second less. For me, realizing that is a very empowering and liberating feeling. So it, it might sound like a disempowering thing, but for me, it's a time is a huge equalizer. So no matter who we are, we all have the same amount of time. So for me, that that is the first step always to, to see that it's about time. And then is it that my time owns me? Or is it that I own my time? Like, do I get to choose what where I spend my time? Because everybody has 24 hours. The only question is, how are you prioritizing? What are you saying yes to? What are you saying no to? Does that have the same kind of empowering effect on you or not? It does. And yeah, I go very practical in this. So even having the conversation with you and pulling back to that, because my instinct when you were like, everybody has the same 24 hours, I went to, I require a lot of sleep. You know, I require more sleep than other individuals have. But sometimes when I ask them how they're getting so much done, it's because they only sleep five hours a day. I sleep eight or nine. So automatically my time frame looks a little different. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe because I get that much sleep, I'm working at a, a higher performance level than they might be on their five hours. I don't know. That just came to me in and how to reframe the story I'm telling myself of, well, I need more sleep, so therefore I have less time in my days. It, it could require some different perspective. Yeah, I think what you're pointing to is uh, time is not uh, proportional to the output that we produce. So even if you have less time, you can still produce more output. And that's the time versus capacity distinction that yes, time is limited and time is the same. But capacity can be different, right? So you can you can improve your capacity to do something 
in less amount of time or in the same amount of time than somebody else. So yes, time is limited. We cannot cram more hours into the day, but at the same time, we can get better at doing what we are doing. And then there are multiple ways to increase uh, your capacity, especially if you are a leader. Then uh, the first thing which I spoke about is about prioritizing, about like, connecting it to what is really important in the short term as well as in the. But then also like about if it's about a skill, if you are doing something, then how can you get better at that skill? Like how can you do something equally good in less amount of time? So this is the fight we were investing, again refilling the tank, or investing in your own skills, or how can you change the format of what you're doing? to be able to do something differently that you can do it in less time. Like to give you an example, big companies have always have a lot of employees. So they always have a lot of man hours. But whenever a startup comes, they by definition do not have those same amount of employees or the man hours. So they never have time in terms of resources. But the way they do it is they innovate. They innovate on the business, they innovate on the technology and that allows them to serve the same business, same market which the bigger competitor has been dealing with in a traditional way. So anytime, how can you innovate in what you are doing? How can your team innovate in what you're doing? Maybe by introducing a new practice, maybe by introducing a new tool, by maybe by using a new tool differently. But all of these are good questions to ask yourself rather than just asking how do I fit in more? How do I cram in more work or how do I get more time? How can I actually be more productive? How can I actually increase my capacity without increasing yeah, and that innovation is a great one to to explore that. But what also came to my mind was your gifts. So my gifts for doing certain tasks or aspects or responsibility are very strong and therefore I, I can do them more efficiently time-wise when you look at time and still have a good output where maybe someone else cannot. So how as a leader, do you look at the gifts of the individuals on your team and kind of reshuffle responsibilities so that those with the gifts in that area are utilizing it? I know when I was leading a team, I, I kept saying, I need to work on my writing abilities. I need to work on my writing abilities. And my coach asked, asked me, what makes you think that? There was a lot of assessments in that story of my writing wasn't good and takes a lot of time and all of that. And through the questions, I was reminded that I had someone on my team who writes incredibly well. And so why was I spinning my wheels and spending all of this extra time to write something when she enjoyed it and was really good at it? And then I just needed to edit. And so my time went from incredibly large to a shorter amount of time and I someone else got to use their incredible gifts so as a leader how can you look at it perhaps through that lens of not only innovation but also talent and technology yeah I think that's what teamwork is that's what it means to be on a team to to pick up tasks or to adjust tasks uh, based on what are we good at, what are we comfortable at, and what are our unique skills, talents, and strengths. And what you are sharing in, in that story is a perfect example of a team gelling together and adjusting it. And this could be a, like a frequent ad adjustment to serve the team rather than to serve like the individual. Like, I have to do this because this is my role versus the team has to produce this. Now, what is the best way to produce this? Asking a very different question can actually lead to 
very different answers. And have you ever heard of energy audit? It's a tool which Tim Ferriss uh, mentions uh, in, in his podcast. I am not familiar. I've heard the term, but I'm really not familiar. Yeah, so it basically talks about the same uh, strengths and weaknesses, but from a point of work which gives you energy and work which takes away energy from you. And uh, what he suggests is that uh, every time you identify work which takes away energy for you or which is difficult or disempowering for you to do, always figure out a way to stop doing it. And that, that could mean, can you delegate it? Can you not do it? Is, can you really say no to it? Or if, if all of these are not options, can somebody in, fill in for you in that particular task? And maybe you can fill in for somebody else for something which you like. Or if nothing else works, then can you make it fun? Can you do it in a different way that makes it enjoyable? Because every time anything you do which saps energy, it not only impacts only that work. It not only impacts only that task, it impacts everything else. Yeah, that's a great tool to have and explore. And I'm sure also requires a bit of effort in figuring out what what does give you energy and what doesn't. And some of that is reflecting on your day. After you have that crazy scheduled day, how did that feel? What did that look like? Or after each meeting, did it fill you up and energize you or did it, it drain you? And then how do you recover? So I think that's a great way of really auditing yourself to figure out how you can change. Yes. And, and as you pointed out earlier, all of this requires courage to really question yourself that what could I have said no to, but I said yes to. And then now can I say no to that? What is it like re that really needs to be said? What is it that I really want to say, but I'm like beating around the bushes, which takes more time than it really needs. What is stopping me from really asking either for what I want or to sharing what I really genuinely feel. It saves a lot of time. But yes, as you said, it takes uh, it takes courage to build that as a practice. We may have briefly mentioned it, but that the stories you tell yourself and the assessment you're making of, I'm not good at my time management or I'm not good at saying no, all of that, questioning it and changing it to have a different perspective. Again, using courage, but really shifting that so that you can frame it in the positive uh, of what you are good at and leverage those strengths to, you know, overcome this hurdle of too much to do. Yeah. And then also since everybody is uh, facing this, you're not alone. So asking for help or asking for support from your peers, from your colleagues, your manager, with your team also makes it less challenging than if you were to just deal with this problem in your own individual space. So it's it's also about involving other people in, in the conversation. Uh, and as you said, not get sucked into old assessments or stories about uh, if I'm not spending time, then I'm not a good worker or I'm not being productive or I'm not being uh, like busy. And somehow that's related to uh, my capability as a professional. Yeah. And I thought of vulnerability uh, because as the leader, it might take the leader being vulnerable and saying, I can't get it all done. I need help. And that your team might finally say, thank you for admitting this, that as a team, they're all drowning too. So have the um, courage and show that vulnerability so that they know it's okay to question it as well. Yeah. In fact, every courageous act is a vulnerable act as well. And courage requires that vulnerability. Even sim as something as simple as that, I need help. 
or I don't know what is the answer. This is a courageous um, question to ask yourself. Uh, and it requires opening up, as you said, it requires really opening up. But what I've learned is that it might feel threatening or difficult for you. But opening up and sharing something which you have never shared before also builds trust in others, also builds strong relationships. So it's a very powerful practice for especially for leaders and then for everybody else. Yeah. And so I think we have covered this topic from multiple angles. And how, how would you like to conclude? Like, what's, uh, how would you summarize what we have talked about? I think the greatest summary is coming back to being humble about it. We all experience too much to do and changing our lens to say there's not enough time to instead ask questions and explore would be what I would suggest and base it on what do you care about? What are your priorities? Really stepping back and looking at that whole big picture and make adjustments. And just because you make an adjustment today doesn't mean it's the same one that works next week. It's a constant process of revisiting and re-questioning to see how you can move forward and not be in that space of I'm busy right now. I can't do that. Yes. Yes. And I think exactly that. I think overwhelm is an invitation to ask better questions rather than the one which is like, how can I do more or how can I get more done? Uh, there are better questions to ask, which might not be easy, but then there is a lot of uh, value at the end of those questions. Great. Yeah. Does that look like a good place to end today? I think so. I'm going to go check out my calendar and see what I can get rid of. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, make it a practice for us as well. Well, yeah. thank you, Leslie, for your time and engaging in this conversation today. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but also for those around you. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. I say what might be uncomfortable for me to say or for you to hear, to show you that all our dreams which have been on hold are within our grasp. If you like the sound of it, do not forget to leave a rating. I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter at deployyourself.com slash newsletter. You can also reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook to share any other comment or feedback. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.